0: Cool. So like Paulo said, this morning we are giving a Reality Ventura mission update and State of the Union address. We're going to spend the bulk of our time this morning um, talking about where we are at in the process of becoming an autonomous church, where we are at with the preaching element of our Sunday gatherings, and where we are at with finding a permanent uh, vision and preaching pastor. But before we get there... I want to first remind us of our mission as a church, then briefly talk about how we're doing in that mission and also how that mission is funded. Jesus said in Matthew 28, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Would you just pray with me for a minute? Lord, we look at this, these words that you said, Jesus. You said that this is the Great Commission. This is the mission. And we ask as we look at these things and as we look at how our church ought to play a role in that mission and where we are at currently in this transitional season, we ask that our hearts would be attentive to the leading of your spirit, that we would hear what you want us to. Lord, that our minds would line up with your will In your ways this morning, we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. So those words that Jesus said, that is what we call the Great Commission, right? And that is the mission. It is the mission of the church, and it is the mission of this church. This is what we endeavor to do by the grace and power of God. So how do we as a church endeavor to do this? Well, in three ways. Number one, locally as sent people. Number two, strategically with church planning. And number three, globally through global missions. First of all, we do it locally as sent people. How how is local mission accomplished? Well, local mission is primarily accomplished by people recognizing that they are sent by Jesus. Jesus said to his followers, in the same way that the Father has sent me, now I send you. And then it's those people choosing to be on mission in their communities. Part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus is being the hands and feet of Jesus in our families, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our communities. But that takes a little bit of effort on our part. That means that we have to choose to, one, be available. We got to make ourselves available as a follower of Jesus, saying, God, well, what do you, you want to do? Do you want to use me in some way? And that means, secondly, that we need to be proactive. Uh, If you want to be on mission, you have to be willing to look, do a little bit of work, and look and see what Jesus is doing already around you, and then jump in and join join with him in that mission. That is primarily how local mission is accomplished. Now, let me say something here that might be contrary to what some of us have believed. The church is not like the Red Cross, right? We don't donate to the local church because we believe in its cause and then sit at home while it does mission in our cities. Should the local church be involved in local mission? Yes. Should the local church be looking for ways to corporately impact its cities? Yes. But the local church entities, you know, like Reality and uh, Missionary Church and Bible Fellowship and Calvary Chapel, those Uh, churches are not the primary vehicle to move mission forward. The primary vehicle is the church, as in the people. So like me and you, church, we are the church, and that is God's primary vehicle to move mission forward. We don't just like leave it to the quote-unquote professionals or like the pastor guys to do it, right? The pastor guy's jobs are to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, is what Ephesians 4 says, But the work of the ministry, the mission, is intended to be accomplished through the people, us, all of us, not just the guys and gals on staff at a church. We have to remember that uh, we are the body of Christ. And as members of his body, we should be saying to the head, who is Jesus, Jesus, what are you doing around me? Where are you already working? I want to be a part of that. Here, Here I am, Lord. I'm available as a member of your body to do your work. The second way that we endeavor to accomplish mission as a church is through the strategic planting of churches. When Reality Carp first started, we thought we would primarily focus on the first part of that mission, uh, equipping the saints to go out and do the work of ministry in Carpinteria. But eventually, it became clear that there was also this call on our church to plant other churches. But, you know, we didn't want to just plant any churches. We wanted to to plant healthy churches churches with like-minded people, and we wanted to do that in strategic cities around the world. And so we created this really slow and intentional process of what we now call birthing churches. And you know, by the grace of God, it's been really fruitful and effective, and we're so thankful that God has allowed us to do that with him. Um, we planted churches in Los Angeles, San Francisco, Stockton, Boston, London, and then This year in October, uh, Honolulu, Hawaii. And guys, honestly, like, God has used those churches in profound ways in those cities. The third way that we are endeavoring to move mission forward, to accomplish mission as a church, is through global missions. Last year, we began to shift our focus of global missions from sending missionaries in general to sending missionaries in particular. Particularly to unreached people groups. 40% Forty percent of the world lives within unreached people groups, meaning that there is no indigenous self propagating Christian movement among them. Forty percent of the world. And yet eighty to ninety percent of missionaries who go out to the field go to reached people groups, are with reached people groups. Now, we love that. We love that missionaries are going there. That's a real legitimate call that God calls people to. We celebrate that. We support people who are doing that. But it is also our desire to train up and send out missionaries to the unreached, the people who have not been reached yet with the good news of Jesus. And real quick here, with reaching the unreached, there are three significant things that are happening right now. One, people are uh, being stirred up. For the unreached. Last month we set out Natalie and West um, right here from Reality Ventura to the unreached Albanians. Currently there's eight families from Santa Barbara, Carp, and Ventura who are in the process to go to unreached peoples. Um, That's super gnarly and crazy and really rad. Several of those families are from Ventura. Secondly, the thing that's going on with reaching the unreached is uh, we... We recently expanded our strategy to be able to send teams of people as opposed to just individuals into the mission field. This is going to be really important as we target a place to send uh, missionaries. And then thirdly, next month, as was mentioned during announcements, uh, we are launching a prayer network, which will allow more of us who aren't actually going to stay and, one, be more educated, and, two, to better partner with Reaching the Unreached, specifically through prayer. So that is the mission, making disciples, and that is how we are endeavoring to accomplish that mission here at Reality Ventura. Now let's talk for a minute about mission resources or how the mission is funded. Two questions I want to answer here. Number one, how is our giving and generosity at Reality Ventura? And number two, how are we as a church financially investing in the kingdom? Just as an FYI, these numbers, in case you're a numbers guy and care about this stuff or gal, um, the, these numbers are from our fiscal 2016 year. So um, that's September 2015 through August 2016. So the total amount, total amount of money given through tithes and offerings this year to Reality Ventura at Reality Ventura uh, was $1.74 million. I uh, know, so, it sounds like a lot of money, huh? For those of you... Uh, who want to know, that's actually a 6% decrease from last year. Now, is that something to be concerned about? Well, maybe, yeah. It depends on why it's down 6.7%. If it's because we're lacking in generosity and lacking in trusting God with our finances, then yeah, there's probably something to be concerned about. But if it's something different, like people are just giving somewhere else in the kingdom of God— or people who are giving here regularly just aren't here anymore and aren't giving, then, yeah, it doesn't, it's not really that big of a concern. That has different implications, um, which we won't, you know, talk about today, but it's not really a concern for our purposes today. Now, if we were uh, CEOs trying to run a successful business, this $1.74 million, this would be the number we'd be focused on, right? You'd call it, like, the, the gross income or whatever, but as pastors, we want to be less concerned about the bottom line. You know what I mean? We're not, trying to like just run a, we're not trying at all to run a successful business. We're trying to shepherd people's hearts. So we're less concerned about the bottom line and more concerned about the heart of an individual. So the numbers that we would be a little bit more concerned about today or, you know, to look at a little bit more are these next ones. Who is giving? Well, 88% of adults at Reality Ventura are giving. That's pretty rad, dude. Like 9 out of 10 people are giving. And this next chart here is how that breaks down. So I'll just sum it up for you here. Uh, basically, most of us are giving less than $1,500 per year. So maybe that's not that awesome. Um, that means, I think, there's probably some room for growth, and here's why. The Old Testament talks about this thing called a tithe. It means a tenth. God said, bring a tenth, a tithe, of your first fruits. And bring, it, bring it to the Lord. Now, in the New Testament, there is freedom for each one to decide in his own heart how much he ought to give. But if we were talking about tithing, that would mean that most people, the majority of the people, rather, at Reality Ventura are not tithing unless they make less than $15,000 a year, which is probably pretty unlikely. Now, I don't know what the median income is for us, right? But I do know what the median income is for uh, Ventura. $64,000 a year as a city, which would mean that about 20% of us are actually tithing. Now, the national average for evangelical Christians who tithe is 12% of people who tithe. So if we we're comparing it to that average, you guys are kind of killing it. Like, right? I mean, it's 8% more than the national average. Uh, And in my life, tithing and giving in general is one of the most sanctifying and rewarding practices that I have. So as a fellow Christian, I personally am encouraged by this 20% because that means to me that I know at least one out of every five of us is experiencing the joy, faith, and reward that comes from giving in a sacrificial way. But for the other 80% of us, the other four out of five people, dude, I got to tell you, man, you're honestly missing out. You're honestly missing out. There is a blessing for you in tithing and in giving in this way that you're totally missing out on. Listen, God loves you. He's not mad at you. He's not like putting you on a guilt trip. He's going to keep you in the family, but you're totally, fully missing out. And this isn't some, like, plea for, you know, trying to get people to give more at Reality Ventura. Listen, don't give here. I'm not asking you to give here. If, if that's what you think, don't give here, but give somewhere. As a brother, let me tell you, make this a practice in your life. Practice, practice some faith and obedience to Christ in your finances. Otherwise, honestly, you're just missing out on a blessing. Now, quickly here. As a church, how are we financially investing in the kingdom? Well, the first way is we're committed to investing in others. Uh, this last year, $295,000 went outside of the church walls. So that was 18% of what came in went out. Secondly, we are committed to investing in people. A little pie chart, another pie chart here. Uh, so I'm going to break this down a little bit. Um, first of all, 51% of our budget goes to staffing. As an FYI, that's within the normal range of churches in America. Let me tell you how that breaks down, though, because I know for some of us 51%, which is a lot of money, it's like over $800,000, is going to staffing over the course of the year. So let me tell you how that breaks down. We have nine called individuals at Reality Ventura. They're specifically serving Reality Ventura on staff. In addition to these, there is a central global missions team and a central administration team, that serve Reality Carp, Santa Barbara, and Ventura, and then we all pay a portion of their salaries. Having these central teams allows us to have access to the expertise of like top-notch administrative stuff and top-notch global missions teams at about a third of what it would normally cost us. In addition to that, we have continued to pay a small portion of Britt's salary as he has been the preaching pastor at Reality Ventura. That will obviously change once we go to live preaching. We're not doing the video preaching anymore. So basically there are nine individuals on staff at Reality Ventura and another nine that we pull from on those two central teams and BRIT. And uh, just as an FYI, that number is inclusive of uh, us providing health care for the staff. Moving on here, 18% of the budget goes to church planning and global missions. We call this a tithe on a tithe. Um, we you know don't want to be so concerned with what's just happening in our little bubble, and in, just in our city or just our church that we forget about the, the work of making disciples outside of our little bubble. So this tithe on the tithe is always at least 10 percent, but this year it was eighteen percent, mostly because we planted. A church. We birthed Reality London and then we started the birthing process for another one, Reality Honolulu. Uh, 13% of the budget goes to um, facilities within the normal range of churches in America. 10% of the budget goes to operations. Operations is anything from like our youth budget to buy a new curriculum for the kids ministry to replacing a broken speaker or having a Reality Ventura sign finally uh, designed and installed on the outside of our building for the first time in eight years. <laughs> and then 8% of our budget uh, goes to events, or at least it did this last year. So in addition to the little things uh, this year specifically, we did two like big celebration party type things, celebrating one, the resurrection of Jesus at Easter last year, and then two, uh, our seven-year anniversary. At, yeah, amen. At the beginning of last year, uh, Britt gave a mission update similar to this one. And in that update, he talked about how we are currently or were currently one church in three locations moving toward this thing called autonomy. As you know, Reality Ventura started in 2009 as a campus of Reality Carpinteria meaning that we were sharing most things with Reality Carpinteria and then eventually Reality Santa Barbara, including the most obvious thing, which was the preaching. And if you were here for that mission update, or if you've just been around for the last year, then you know that the Reality Coastlands churches, like I said, Santa Barbara, Ventura, CARP, are all moving to being not one church in three locations, but rather three churches in three locations. This means that we will no longer share many of the things that we once shared, the least of which is the preaching. And we believe wholeheartedly that this is how God is leading and this is what is going to be most healthy and most fruitful for all of the churches. But just because something is super healthy and fruitful doesn't mean that there's not going to be growing pains, right? Transition is always a little bit uncomfortable, But I think if we can keep our eyes on what actually matters, rather who actually matters, then I I think we're going to make it through. I think we're going to be all right. So as was stated last year at the Mission Update, Reality Santa Barbara will be the first one to become fully autonomous. And they are just about there. And with Reality Ventura, we communicated that that process would take a couple of years and uh, that it was going to be a transition. We had a lot more things to transition than Santa Barbara did. We couldn't do both of them at the same time. Santa Barbara went first. We went second. And uh, we talked about how it's not something that should or could happen overnight. So now that it's been a year, though, since we made that announcement and started moving there, um, I want to ask the question, where are we? And some of you have asked, where are we in the process of becoming an autonomous church? I want to talk about for a minute here uh, what it meant to be one church in three locations what it currently means to be transitioning to becoming a fully autonomous church, and what it will look like once we are a fully autonomous church. Or, easier put, what we were, what we are, and what we will be as it pertains to autonomy. So, check out the chart. On the left side, on the left column, you'll see these six different facets of the church, right? Mission, vision, finances and expertise, leadership, and preaching. And then across the top, as it pertains to the things on the left, across the top, we'll answer some questions uh, like what did, it, what did these six facets on the left look like when we were one church in three locations? What do they currently look like as we are transitioning to full autonomy? And what will they look like once we will be a fully autonomous church? Notice that the will be has a question mark because we don't really know, but this is our best guess of what we're pretty sure it's going to look like as a fully autonomous. Autonomous church. So number one, mission. As was stated at the beginning, uh, the mission was, the big picture mission was and is and will always be to make disciples of all nations. The method by which that is accomplished might change from church or vary from church to church. But that will always be our mission and should honestly be the mission of every local church or community of believers. But that mission is the big picture. That's the 10,000-foot perspective. So how is that mission accomplished on the ground? Well, you could break it up into two categories. I alluded to this earlier. Local mission and non-local mission. So as it pertains to local mission, as one church in three locations, as you can see in that top left square there, rectangle there, as one church in three locations, we did not share in local mission with Reality Carp. That was localized. We knew from the beginning that even as a video campus, we needed to be thinking about and focused on making disciples in Ventura and the surrounding cities. And that is still where we are as we transition becoming an autonomous church, and that is where we will be. Now, as it pertains to non-local missions, specifically church planning and the global mission of reaching the unreached, As one church in three locations, we shared in both of these things. As we are transitioning to autonomy, we are still sharing in this non-local mission. So what does that mean practically? Uh, Well, as it pertains to vision, not the next line, but as it pertains to the vision of like a mission. So we're talking about non-local mission, right? Church planning and reaching the unreached. Within that, you got to have some vision. You got to have some finances. You got to have some expertise and staffing. So don't move down yet. But I'm going to use some the same language. As it pertains to the vision of non-local mission, it means that we share the same vision with Reality Carp to reach the unreached, and we share the same vision and heart to plant healthy, uh, sustainable, strategic churches and cities around the world. As it pertains to finances within that non-local mission. That means that a percentage of the Reality Ventura budget is allocated to global missions and church planning. This year it was 18%. Next year it might be less, might be more. And then as it pertains to expertise and financing within that non-local mission, this means that the Global Missions staff serves Reality Ventura's vision to reach the unreached and serves the Reality Ventura missionaries as well as the CARP and Santa Barbara vision and missionaries, and then Reality Ventura, along with Carbon SB, contribute to those people's salaries. And then the same applies to church planning. When we will be an autonomous church, uh, will we still be partnering in non-local mission? Again, remember, non-local mission is church planning and global missions. Will we still be partnering when we will be an autonomous church? As far as we can tell, yes. Why? Well, let's. Let's take the reaching the unreached, for example. If we're going to reach into the part, a part of the world that is currently unreached with the good news of Jesus and bring the gospel to them and see a sustainable, sustainable church planning movement among those people, we can't do that alone. For years, the most uh, effective way for us to do mission was um, with each other. But as we move toward autonomy, if there's certain things that are better for us together to do than they are to do independent of one another, then we're going to partner in those things. We should make note here that the purpose of us moving toward autonomy and being an autonomous church, the point is not autonomy. We're not, like, rebellious 18-year-old kids who are like, I just want to get out of my dad's house. And, like, I don't need my dad anymore. I'm going to move out. I don't really care. That's not what we're trying to do as a church, right? Because I did that, and it was stupid. Like, I was like, dang, dude, this sucks, man. I can't pay my bills. I ain't got no food. I don't have a car. Oh, you got to pay car insurance. What? Like, I tried to do that. We're not, trying to, we're not trying to do that. We're not just like, well, we should be autonomous because autonomy is awesome. The reason we started moving toward autonomy was because we realize, man, the most effective way to accomplish the mission is for us to do it autonomously from each other. But, like I said, if there is certain areas where we are more effective as partners than we are as independents, then we are going to partner with one another in that. And as it pertains to global missions of reaching the unreached and church planning, Right now, we are more effective together than we are as individual churches. Britt talked about this thing last year called wings and weights. He said, everything we did before, that we shared before, was all wings. It all helped the three different campuses move mission forward. But most of those things, a bunch of those things, have become weights now. And so, if at some point, this becomes a weight, then we're going to have to address that. But for the time being, this is still a wing to help us move that mission forward. Second column down is vision. When we were one church in three locations, the high-level vision, I'll explain that what that is in a minute, was shared, but the ground-level vision was localized. High-level vision would be stuff like uh, what, are, what we are primarily focused on. So several years ago, it was like, dude, everything is all about calm groups, right? We just need to, like, dig in. We, we said this thing, like, if reality is your home church, you have to be in a calm group. And in addition to that, it would be like church planning and global missions, those types of of big things, as well as stuff like what are we teaching on Sunday mornings and how are we teaching it? What do we want to emphasize at our gatherings? Those are the high-level vision, the big picture, so to speak. And that big-picture stuff, as one church in three locations, was being discovered by a team of elders from Reality Carp, SB, and Ventura. We were leading... uh, Leading that vision as one church, back then it wouldn't have even made sense to have like leaders that high-level vision happening at the three different campuses because we were legitimately one church just meeting in three different locations. But when it came to ground-level vision, there was always a lot of autonomy uh, between each of the three campuses. So if Reality Ventura felt led to have men's small groups instead of like a men's large group, or if we wanted to focus our local mission, focus our local mission efforts on uh, reaching the the poor in Ventura, then we would just do that on a a ground level there. Where we are currently as it pertains to vision is the ground level vision is obviously still localized, but we have also moved the high level vision here as well. So all that vision is happening is all localized. So now there is a team of elders here at Reality Ventura who are endeavoring to hear vision from God and then faithfully lead in that vision. Those elders here are Billy Hunter, Chad Amico, Paolo Simbrano, and myself. My name is Dominic, if you didn't know. As one church in three locations, uh, when we thought about high-level vision, it was on behalf of the coastlands, right? Like Galida to Thousand Oaks. But now that we are moving toward autonomy, we have the freedom to think strategically and specifically about Ventura County. And we have the freedom to, to say, God, what is our role as an independent local church? What is our place in this community? What is, what is our place in the nations? And then obviously as we move to what we will be an autonomous church, uh, all that vision will still be localized. Before we move on to um, finances and expertise, let me just give a little subcategory to vision here um, and say a note about DNA as we make this transition. DNA is is who you are, right? It's what makes up you. And so for a church, for reality, um, our DNA is what makes us reality, right? What makes it feel like all the things that you're like, oh, that's reality. So for us, that might be things like passionate worship, uh, biblically faithful preaching and teaching. Being Christocentric, which means that we always strive to point back to Christ in everything we do and teach. The DNA, it's, it's the way that we, we view the gospel. It's the way that we view our identity in Christ, how we think about mission, how we think about theology. It's the things that are important to us. The fact that we adhere to a plurality of leadership, a plurality of elders as opposed to like a senior po- pastor model. It's how we think about the Holy Spirit and the presence of God. These types of things make up our DNA. Some of this isn't ever even explicitly, explicitly talked about. Some of it is just felt. And it's not inherently like right or wrong. It's not better or worse than other churches' DNA. But it is what makes reality, reality. And as we move forward, we don't imagine that that DNA will ever change. Third column down, finances and expertise. As one church in three locations, uh, all the finances and expertise were shared. For finances, this meant that every tithe dollar went into one big pot. And so you'd have a campus like Reality Santa Barbara who had a bunch of college kids going there and ain't nobody tithing nothing. And they were able to like share with the same, from the same pot that Reality Carp and Ventura, who have, you know, a little bit more of a seasoned demographic or whatever, uh, where there was obviously more financial resources available. You know, we were one church. And so like the body of Christ with different members, we were able to share and lean on each other for certain things. So sharing in expertise meant that all of the staff members back then, uh, we're all available to serve each other's campuses as needed, and we did that. One specific expertise that we shared was the administrative team. There was, and still is, a central administrative team that we were able to lean on for the majority of the church's administrative needs. And as one church in three locations, we all shared that team's expertise. Where we currently are is that we share some things, uh, as we continue in this transition, we are still going to share some things, but now that sharing has become a little bit more of like a partnering is the way that we can think of it. Instead of like pulling from this central pot, we're becoming autonomous, but like, hey, let's, let's still partner where we need to partner in these things. Specifically, we are still sharing, as it, see, it says there, some expertise. We are currently sharing The expertise of the global missions team who is leading the charge in reaching the unreached and raising up missionaries to do so. And we are sharing in the expertise of the administrative team. Since I already touched on global missions, I think we get, we understand that, kind of what that team does. But let me talk for a second about the administrative team. We call them the A-team. The A-team in its current form exists to serve each individual Coastlands church By taking care of the bulk of our administrative needs. So bookkeeping, payroll services, accounts receivable and payable, accounting, and human resources. The easiest way to see how uh, the A-team fits into our staffing here at Reality Ventura is to see them kind of like a private firm that we hire, except there's a lot more relational connectivity there. Um, There's a lot more history there. And there's unlimited availability and uh, access that we have to them. But it's similar to a firm in that they are not physically present here at the building and in the sense that they are basically hired to, to do a service in the same way that we might hire somebody, a graphic designer, to design a, a flyer for an Easter gathering or something like that. And honestly, they've been an indispensable part of uh, the Reality Ventura team, especially in this transition. I'm, I'm really thankful for them. As it pertains to finances, uh, Reality Ventura is now 100% autonomous, which means that when you tithe to Reality Ventura, that money is now being used for missions specifically at and through Reality Ventura. What will finances and expertise look like when we will be an autonomous church? Well, we think it will look similar to what it looks like right now. Obviously, our finances Uh, will be totally independent, and the decision-making for those finances will be localized here at Reality Ventura as it is right now. But we think that we will continue to share some expertise as long as it is most effective, fruitful, and wise to do so. You know, we're all um, approaching this autonomy thing open-handedly. We've never done this before. And so as we move down this road, we realize that it's possible that we might have to recalibrate here or there. And that's all right. You know, that's part of the journey. But for now, that's the plan. Next column down, leadership. As one church in three locations, there was a broad-scale leadership team, a central team comprised of elders from each of the three campuses. It was 12 guys in total from Ventura. It was those same four guys, me, Billy, Chad, and Paulo. Britt was one of those guys from Reality Carpenteria, And on that team of 12 elders, Britt was also what we would refer to as the first among equals. At Reality, we don't have a, a senior pastor um, thing where there's one guy making all the calls and leading the church. But because we honestly believe that that senior pastor title and role is actually reserved for Jesus, even biblically speaking, like Jesus is called the chief shepherd, right? Chief, just as good of a translation for that is senior. Shepherd, just as good of a translation for that is pastor, right? Chief shepherd, senior pastor. We believe that role and title is reserved for Jesus. So we're not trying to be cute when we say Jesus is the senior pastor. We're like, no, nah, that's actually what the Bible says. He's the senior pastor. Um, but there is this role called, you know, we call it the first among equals or the primus, where uh, even though there's a plurality, there's a team of people all leading in submission to one another, On every team, there's a quarterback, right? And so Britt played that quarterback role. And as a quarterback guy, he knew, yeah, okay, everybody's kind of looking to me to, like, lead the team. But I also know, like, without the team and without me being submitted to the team, I ain't going to move the ball down the field. I can't do that by myself. Like, you don't, no quarterback moves the ball down the field without uh, an offensive line and receivers and, you know, running backs. You can't do that. So Britt played that role as first among equals, even though we led as a team of elders Pastoring and leading the church. Um, that central team of elders was responsible then, right, for leading Reality Carp, Ventura, and SB as a whole. Remember, one church, three locations. And then each campus had its own staff for like ground level vision and ground level leadership stuff. So, as one church in three locations, essential elders might get together. And discuss something as simple as wanting to have uh, some space on a Sunday morning where people could like talk for a few minutes and not just say hello before they sit down before announcements. And we would make that decision and say, okay, now we're going to implement that at all three campuses. We'd make the decision together as leaders then we'd implement that at all three campuses. Basically anything that we felt like might have a strong spiritual or practical implication always came back to that central leadership team. Uh, like I said, we sat down and we, we really fleshed out, what, what do calm groups look like? What, 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 what do community groups look like? What is the purpose of those? And then once we had some meat on the bones, we went back and um, instilled that. We tried to instill that in the three different campuses. But, you know, if Reality Ventura wanted to do something like change the paint in a Sunday school classroom or whatever, or change the, 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 the playlist that we we're using before and after our gatherings, we would just do that on a, a ground level. So that's what the leadership looked like when we were one church in three locations. We shared broad-scale leadership, and then the ground-level leadership was localized. Now, what it looks like as we are transitioning is that all of that leadership is now localized at Reality Ventura. That was the part of uh, me coming back on staff. That was part of that transition of me coming back on staff almost a year ago. The leadership mantle, so to speak, was handed from that central team of elders, 12 of us, to each individual campus. And at each individual campus, then there was a need for a first among equals, like a local first among equals. Britt could obviously still be that in CART, but Santa Barbara, Chris Lazo, who was just preaching there, but not really like leading, took on that role. And then here, that was never a role that was here. And so I came on staff to uh, play that first among equals, that like quarterback position. So uh, obviously as we... Will be an autonomous church. When we are an autonomous church, uh, the leading of the local, the the leading of the church, both big picture and ground level, will still be localized here at Reality Ventura. Okay, you guys, good. All right, last column: preaching. What we were was video, right? Where ninety-five percent of the preaching happened via video from Reality Cart. That is what it was. And you know what it will be, right? It will be live preaching all the time once we are a fully autonomous church. But let's talk about where we are right now. As we shared last year, um, we really believe that being one church in three locations is no longer the most effective way to move the mission forward in the coastlands and beyond. But rather to be three autonomous churches. And as we've spoken of already, there are many facets, right? There are many facets of the church that autonomy will affect. But one of the facets with the the most implications, and certainly the most obvious facet, is the preaching component. Many of these other things are happening behind the scenes. They're things that you feel more than you can quantize or see, but... Quantify, quantize, quantize, oh that, you know what quantize is? I'm a musician, right? So in the studio there's this thing called quantize where if you don't play anything on rhythm, you can just select it and push quantize and it makes everything sound good. So that's not what I'm talking about, quantify. There are certain things that you, you couldn't quantify, you just kind of feel them, right? But the preaching element, let's be honest, this is the thing that we most of us are most concerned about. And the concern goes both ways. Honestly, I've heard, i talk talked to two schools of people, right? Some of us are concerned because we're just over the screen. We're like, dude, I'm over the video thing. You're like, this was a, a good season. I love Brit, but I'm ready for a physical person to be in the pulpit. I'm ready for some more connectivity. But then there's this other, you know, school of thought where it's like, you're concerned to lose Brit. You're like, yeah, all that connectivity stuff is great, right? But I like Britt. He's, he's a great preacher. I learn from him. And yeah, the screen isn't ideal, but, you know, I'm, I'm kind of fine with it. And I'm sympathetic to both of those schools of thought. But every good thing must come to an end. And almost three years ago, we started realizing that the screen had a shelf life. We didn't know that starting Reality of Ventura. Nobody was really doing this in America or anywhere, so we couldn't like ask people, hey dude, how was it like five, ten years down the road? We just didn't know. We knew we were supposed to do it. We didn't know how long it would be okay. We thought it would be okay maybe forever. We started realizing like three years ago that the, the screen and the video sermons uh, had a shelf life, as did the idea of being one church in three locations. And then several months ago, we began to realize a couple of things. First of all, we realized if the, if the video preaching indeed has a shelf life, which it does, and we know that someday we're going to shut it down, then let's not wait until it's broken to try to fix it or address it. But rather, let's be proactive in leading Reality Ventura in the way that we know God is already leading. Namely, for Reality Ventura to be shepherded through the Scriptures by individuals who are actually here at Reality Ventura. So, um, starting Sunday, March 12th, we're going to begin a five-week live teaching series on Jesus leading up to Easter. Some of the guys on staff will be teaching. um, Some other pastor friends will be teaching a couple of those weeks. And then on Easter, I will preach live And then after Easter, we will continue with live teaching. Oh, okay. See, I told you, half the room's clapping. The other half's like... We will continue with live teaching, though, uh, through the form of team teaching. Team teaching means that instead of a single guy teaching every week, a team of us will be sharing that responsibility in the same way that we share the responsibility of leading the church. As far as we can tell, this team will consist of myself, uh, Billy, Paulo, Chad, and Sean Faye, And I'll kind of act as like the one leading the vision for that team. You know, by sharing the preaching role... Among those few of us, it will really allow us the best opportunity possible to both be faithful in leading the church and in preaching and teaching the word of God. So this means then uh, that there's just two more weeks left with Brit here. The good thing about the internet is that you need like a Brit fix or something. Although I don't know if that should be a thing, but like (laughs) you take that up with God. But if you, like, need that thing, like, go to realitycarp.com and you can watch his sermons every week, right? Smaller screen, but still. Um, so Britt, next week, will teach part three in his series on heart conditions through the book of Matthew. And then the week after that, March 5th, he'll come live here and preach for maybe the last time, you know, or the last time until we maybe have him come visit or something like that. And he'll teach the fourth part of that um, little mini-series on the good heart. Now, this does not mean that we are not still looking for a permanent preaching and vision pastor. We are, which I'll talk about in a minute. But this, this team teaching thing, will act as the next step in the transition to getting there. And it is possible that when we even when we have a full-time preaching and vision pastor, that we would continue some sort of team teaching? You know, that's the the model that Re- uh, Reality San Francisco and Boston have moved to. That's the model that Cornerstone moved to after Francis left, and it's been really fruitful and effective there. Um, so that is totally possible. But is it also possible that um, that preaching and vision guy will not just lead that team, but preach every single week like Britt does in Carpinteria, yeah, that's totally possible too. At this point, we don't know what the long play is, but we do know that the short play is us team teaching. Now, I mentioned a minute ago that there's two, two types of people in the room today, right? There's those who just clapped, who you're super stoked, and you're like, yeah, dude, this is awesome. Thank you for your encouragement, and uh, you're like blessing in this. And then there's this other school of thought, right? These other group of people who are like kind of tripping right now a little bit, right? The, the person who says, but dude, I really like Brit. You know, I, I like him. He's a really anointed teacher. Or Brit's my guy. Britt's kind of my guy. I, I get him. I trust him. I feel like I know him. I like him. I like being led in the scriptures through him or by him. Um, I'm used to him. And listen, I get it. I'm, I'm with you. I feel, I feel that same stuff too. Brit is my guy too, right? Like the bulk of my Christian growth and for sure the most critical and profound growth in my life has come in the last 13 years since we moved here from San Diego. And God used Brit's leadership and specifically Brit's preaching to do so much of that work. So I get it. But let me encourage us and remind us of a couple of things today. First of all, Jesus... (laughs) is the senior pastor. He's the chief shepherd. And he's the good shepherd. Britt is not the good shepherd. That's Jesus. And let me suggest this. Every good, eternal thing that has ever been done in your life through a sermon preached by a man, Brit or anybody else, has been because of the eternal power of Jesus working in and through them. The word of God is only alive because of the power of God, not because of the anointing of a man. It is the spirit of God who ultimately speaks to us. It's, it's the spirit of God who causes actual Change Now, does he entertain us, the Spirit of God? Maybe not. Maybe good preachers do a little bit more of that. But I'm talking about eternal things that actually like, really matter in the scope of eternity. The Spirit of God is the one who moves our hearts, who changes us, who convicts us of sin or righteousness or judgment. It's the Spirit who calls us to continually repent, right, to turn away from lesser things and turn back to our Father. It's the Spirit of God who brings Times of refreshing and restores our souls. No man does that. No man has the power to do that. And no man's words carry eternal weight and authority. Only the words and the power of Jesus does that, right? Like only Jesus carries that kind of authority. We're always going to have a special place in our hearts for Brit as our founding pastor. And his teaching will continue to influence us and has influenced us. And it will always be a part of our lives in some way. But as Brit has taught us so many times, there is only one senior pastor. And Jesus is that one. Remember what Paul the Apostle wrote in 1 Corinthians 3. He says, what after all is Apollos? And what is Paul. Only servants through whom you came to believe. And as the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is really anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Which brings me to my sec- second exhortation for us. As it pertains to the kingdom of God and to your church experience, I just want to ask are you, are you a consumer or are you a participant? You know, some of us come to church um, like consumers. We treat it like we do a lot of things in our lives. We're like, okay, I'm sacrificing some of my time. Some of us sacrifice money as we tithe. And then we kind of expect something in return. You know, we show up with this attitude and mindset of like, okay, I'm here. I'm ready to receive. And you've probably even got some expectations of what and how you want to receive. You know, you expect the the worship music to be good. You expect the lights to be nice. You expect the temperature to be just right. Expect your kids to not get bored in Sunday school. And you expect the preaching to be good. Just be honest. Many of us are like that. You kind of, you have this expectation. You expect it to be edifying, right? And you expect it to be engaging and well-executed. And, you know, with maybe just the, just the right amount of humor. And honestly, we've kind of been spoiled with that kind of preaching. I think, I think Britt's one of the more, more gifted communicators in California. Uh, but with all that good music and the right temperature and nice lights and good preaching, Some of us have easily kind of adopted this uh, consumeristic mindset. But let me remind you guys that you're the body. You're the body of Christ for a reason. You are members of the body. And as a member, you play a vital role. Yes, you should plan on coming to church and receiving from God. Yes, you should plan on being built up so you can go back into the world and be on mission. But that is not the whole picture. We should not treat our church like it's McDonald's. It's not. It's, it's not just about getting what I need or want. It's not just about, I'm loving it. Like, it's not about that. Or, I'm not loving it, right? Like, it's not about that. At the end of the day, uh, it's really about like a mindset change. Like some of us have to have a mindset change. We need, we need to change our minds from being consumers to being participants. Like I said, you're, you're all members of the body. So are we consumers? Or are we participants? Because as a member, God is calling us part- to participate in the kingdom and that includes our church gatherings. Now, this participation could be as simple as you just showing up to church and being like, Lord, here I am. Do you want to use me in some way today to positively affect one of my brothers or sisters? Here I am, Lord. You want me to say something or do something for somebody or to somebody? It could be as simple as that. At a bare minimum, it should be that. Or it could be something, you know, maybe a little bit more defined, where it's like you're actually serving in some official capacity. But like I said, at the end of the day, it's a mindset where it's like, I want to participate in the work of God and in my in my church community. Now I'll be honest. Um. when someone preaches who may not have as polished of preaching skills as Brit and they stand up here, you might have to participate a little bit more in the sense that you might have to work a little bit harder to get and receive everything that God has for you. It might not be like spoon-fed as much to you. But that's all right. I think we can handle a little bit of work. I, and I think that if we show up and ask God to speak to us. If we ask God to speak to us, that no matter who stands at this pulpit of these guys I'm talking about, we can trust that he is going to do that. Amen. But let me ask you, how is the participation going? How is the, the planting going? How is the, how is the watering going? Are you just consuming or are you participating? Because if you're just consuming, you're standing on the sidelines, then I don't know, man, maybe it's time to put on the helmet and, you know, get in the game, right? We're going to put this uh, back up here. Oh, no, I'm sorry, we're not. Um, now, <laughs> did it go up and come back? Happened? Now, as we move to live team teaching, um, Listen, some of you guys might end up getting connected at another church. Um, Some of you might eventually feel like you need to go back to Reality Carp. And if you believe that's really what God is calling you to do, or you just feel like you need to do that, then dude, do that. There's no condemnation here. We love you guys. You know, we want the people to be here who are called to be here and and who want to be here and be a part of this community. But listen, we do want to ask though that you would just give it three months. Just be here for the next three months, and during that three months, use that time to just pray um, and ask God where you're supposed to land. We think you should stick around, but if you can't get your head around that or you really don't feel like that's what God has for you, then we get it. There's, like I said, there's no condemnation there, but um, we would ask you to just hang around for three months and just pray and ask God what he has for you. So now, back to the chart. Um, so what the preaching element did look like as one church in three locations was video. What we are now as we are transitioning will be live team preaching. And what it will be is some form of live preaching. That might be a guy every week like Britt, same guy, or it might be that guy leading a team of us preaching. Speaking of that one main guy, when we began to realized that God was calling us to be an autonomous church. One of the most obvious gaps, and this is, I'm done in four and a half minutes, so good job hanging in there. When we began to transition toward autonomy and realize that's what God had for us, like I said, one of the most obvious gaps was here at Reality Ventura was this preaching and vision role. Obviously, right? Uh, Because as one church in three locations, Brit was filling that role. Needless to say, as we become an autonomous church, this pastoral role is going to be critical. It's pretty hard to have a football team without a quarterback. So we want to ask uh, you guys in a minute to to pray for this guy. But before we do that, I just want to explain this guy's role. This is the closest thing at reality that we have to a lead pastor. Um, This pastor will lead along with the other elders of Reality Ventura but have this unique role of the the primus or the first among equals. I agreed to fill the vision portion of that role as an interim position because I saw that that was the need we saw together that that was the 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 deepest need at Reality Ventura. Britt was still for the time being like Britt's still preaching it's fine if nobody fills that role right away. But the vision role of that, somebody needed to fill that, so I came on staff to fill that. Now, once the preaching and vision guy is in place, I plan on remaining here for as long as is needed to help with the transition and serve as an elder working closely with him and the rest of the team. The pastor of preaching and vision will share the responsibility of shepherding the body, along with the existing elders. He will both be submitted to them and have this unique role where we are looking to him to lead that team. As I mentioned earlier, we believe that um, a shared leadership model is the healthiest and most biblical model. We do not believe that God has placed the sole responsibility of the church on the shoulders of just one person. Now, because many of you asked me, like, Dom, why don't you just, why don't you just take that position? Um, you should know that from the beginning, I have approached this whole thing open-handedly. But also from the beginning, I felt that I was really called to be here for a period of time, for an interim period of time to help the church through this transition. And over the last year, it's been almost a year now that I've been here, um, I've continued to pray and I still believe that is the case. But I'm happy to be here and still... Stoked to be here for as long as God has me here and as long as I need to be here to help in any way that I can. So listen, guys, we're asking you to join with us then in praying for wisdom and discernment for for us, for the for reality and for the elders, specifically in regards to the preaching and vision, Pastor. I have personally met with 10 different guys over the last year, some of whom were, like, recommended to me, some who just kind of, like, called me and was like, dude, I think I'm your guy, whatever. They didn't really say that, but (laughs) kind of. And, you know, some of them were like, yeah, maybe there's something here. Some of them were like, no. Some of them were like, heck no. (laughs) But at this point, it seems like there is possibly – some potential momentum. Meaning that we even have a, a couple of guys that uh, we are talking with who, I don't know, but we're continuing conversations. They may or may not be the guy. But there's a specific couple guys. Um, so listen, we just, need, we just need wisdom. As we move forward in prayer and conversations, we just need wisdom and discernment from God. I'm going to be honest, dude. I would be so stoked. And what I'm asking for and what you can ask for for us is for God to just do, like, speak to us in some crazy, supernatural, prophetic way. Like, right in the sky, or like, remember in Daniel, and like, God wrote on the wall. Like, just something like that. So we just take a picture and be like, look, God said. But God usually doesn't leave me like that, and he probably won't. But we can ask, right? So, uh, as we're praying and looking, guys, let me remind us of something. We're not We're not looking to clone Brit here, or me, for that matter. We're not ever going to replace Brit and we shouldn't and we we couldn't we shouldn't try to nor are we looking for somebody just like him but rather someone who will have their own unique voice as a teacher and a leader and who has the right voice for leading Reality Ventura into our next chapter so we're asking that you would please join us in praying that God would direct us to someone who you can take a picture of this when it's all done I would ask you to please Someone who leads with integrity of heart and a skillful hand. Someone who is an, who is an effective team builder who will be able to complement and maximize the gifts of the other leaders, helping us collectively shape the vision of Reality Ventura. Someone who will teach the scriptures with faithfulness, authenticity, and humility. Someone who appreciates our reality DNA. Someone who has a heart for Ventura and for the nations. Someone who is full of faith and filled with and led by the Holy Spirit. We'll leave that up for a minute. You can take a picture of that so you can be praying for this guy specifically in these ways. Listen, we know that no matter who God um, brings, this is going to be a season of adjustment for all of us. But we are asking for your grace and your mercy on us and for that eventual um, preaching and vision pastor. We are also asking that you would hold your personal plans for reality open-handedly. This is a time for us to be united in the spirit as we seek God together. But listen, this is Jesus' church, and we can trust in his divine wisdom and sovereignty that he will bring us the right person at the right time for this new season. As I said earlier, you are the church, guys. We are the church, So let's get off the sidelines. Let's stop, you know, just watching or whatever. Let's get in the game and let's participate in this. And right now, the best way you can participate is by joining us in praying. So do that at your home by yourself. Start a little small group and do that. Come join us on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8 p.m. as as we worship together and pray together. We pray for the the church and the community. but, But do it. Pray somehow. Please join and participate in praying. Speaking of which... That's what we're going to do right now. We're going to take uh, the next 10 minutes or so and pray for everything, for all of these things. So I'm going to put up a couple of prayer points here. Uh, right now, we're going to get in groups of two or three, max four, because you get more than four people. People don't get to pray and stuff. And uh, we're going to pray for the team teaching element, however God leads you in that. Um, I'd ask you guys that you'd also pray for, like, as you pray for us, pray for our, our wives. Um, and the, the, the enemy likes to come and just like backdoor sometimes, you know. So pray for the team teaching element. Pray for our preaching and vision, Pastor. Pray that God would lead and give wisdom to the reality of interior staff and elders in this season. Um, pray that God would show each individual what it means to be a participate, participant in the kingdom and in this body of believers. Pray that God would renew a heart and passion in us to be on mission in our communities in this season. And then is there one more? Yeah, pray for our hearts and minds to be set on Jesus in this season. Amen? Okay, cool. So like I said, get in groups of two or three, no more than four. Don't chit-chat. Let's just get right into it and just begin praying.